I couldn't, to the day, I can't get that out of my head. Looking at the flyer, and it was a bloody head of a cow. Um, that propaganda was so powerful. Like, all right, way to go, PETA, you got me. Um, it really got me. And your impressionable teenager trying to figure out what the, what the path is, what the right thing to do is. And I really believe that eating meat was really horrible for society and humanity and the planet. Love and light, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of El Podcast, the greatest virtual happy hour in the world. I am your host, Kai Primo, and this is El Capitan. Jesse Wright. First and foremost, happy hour to all of you. If you are new to our channel and aren't subscribed yet, please follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts from, and also on YouTube at El Podcast Media. Today is going to be uh, an awesome episode because today we are going to be talking about why I stopped being a vegetarian, vegan, pescatarian, whatever, all the diet fans, why I stopped all that after 18 years. Jesse here has a master's on health sciences. And so I thought it'd be a really interesting thing to talk to you about my whole journey. Well, yeah, I mean, I have a, my undergrad is in kinesiology, and then I also have a master's in health and human performance. I, of course, used to bodybuild and power lift. I've tried pretty much every diet known to, to man as I have went through that journey. I no longer do it now that I'm 40, but I've certainly still like to read the literature and, and keep up to date on the on all things health related, nutrition related. I mean, let's just take it right from the beginning. I mean, you grew up in the Philippines and you emigrated over when you were 12 or so. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, what was life like when, when you were in the Philippines? I mean, you weren't eating a vegetarian diet back when you were growing up, did you? No. So, yeah, I grew up in the Philippines and I was raised by my grandmother. Back in those days, there were really no dietary restrictions. We were raised on beef, chicken, pork, fish, liver, um, which I hated. You know, I ate everything, vegetables, rice, ramen noodles. Uh, you know, there was no, that's bad for you, that's good for you. That just like kind of didn't exist. I think, I think we were just lucky that. I mean, what was like a food, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah, you're lucky. I mean, the way you grew up, I mean, what was a typical meal consisting of? What did you typically eat on a daily basis? So give us kind of run, run us through a, a daily meal. So everything was like home cooked. Everything always had kind of like a rice and a, uh, a rice and something we call ulam, which is, you know, like a, a, some kind of meat dish or a vegetable dish, or basically my grandma was very old school and, it was, we were raised on what she grew up on. Very simple, all home-cooked meal. We never really went out to restaurants. Um, you know, you know, she had herbs growing in the garden outside, and so... Right, so when you moved over to the U.S., did your diet change from that when you're in the Philippines? So when we moved to the U.S., I was about, yeah, 11 or 12, and that was when I was introduced to you know pizza and fast food and so um, the pizza was there you know pepperoni sausage was meat pizza as well or yeah it- we ate i still ate meat right i still ate meat i still ate i ate 
everything. There was no restricted anything. That was really the first time that I was introduced to the food pyramid in junior high. And the food pyramid basically was the one that told us like fats are bad and then carbs are the best. And you needed like six to eight servings of carbs. And at the bottom, it was like bread, pasta. And, and, and I, you know, I started getting kind of accustomed to, you know, it was easy to order pizza. You know, you can make a phone, you know, you can make a phone call after school for dinner. And my mom worked, you know, three jobs. So she had night jobs. So we would just order pizza and that was easy to do. Fast foods, you'd ride your bike to a McDonald's or a Taco Bell. So when did you become a vegetarian? When did you become a vegetarian? What was the, the moment? Was there like one event that really kind of made you go in that direction or was it a slow series of events over a prolonged time? So the whole introduction to vegetarianism and whatever really came from college. So I I was maybe eight like eighteen. I went to Northeastern University in Boston and there was some kind of student fair and there were all these little tables. It was like nonprofit student organizations, jobs and things of that nature. And one of the tables was PETA which was the nonprofit organization, People for Ethical Treatment of Animals. And they had this flyer, like an anti-McDonald's flyer. And there was a picture, I remember, of this uh, uh, head of a cow that was super bloody. And uh, the words, meat is murder. And then, you know, things like, oh, chickens are conscious when, you know, they cut their throats and things of that nature. It was really like, kind of gruesome little pamphlet thingy and immediately that struck a chord you know i was 18 i was it was the confusion phase if you will i was trying to find some kind of meaning and purpose of like you know what am i getting behind what are my ideologies and i had i was completely clueless confused of like what direction to go to what do i stand for those kinds of questions were coming in i think i was just questioning religion in general at about 17 18 and how you know, have I been duped and all these kinds of questions. And when I saw the bloody meat thing and the the words meat is murder, um, well, immediately that kind of struck a chord. And I was like, well, I don't want to murder things. I want to be on the right side of society and history. And I don't want to do this. And immediately I stopped eating meat almost instantly, like that night. So literally you saw this PETA stand at a university and that night that same day you literally just went home went to your fridge i went to my dorm tossed out all the meat that you had well i didn't actually have meat really per se on a on a fridge in our dorm but i right, you were eating in the student cafeteria yeah right okay mm-hmm. that's when i started buying this morning star stuff this fake meat stuff like they had a lot of like you know fake chicken patties fake chicken nuggets and at the time at the time, I was also like kind of self-conscious about my body. But you were, um, you were, I was perfectly healthy. You were super skinny. I was, yeah. Well, I, was, I, mean, were, I wasn't like, I never had a six-pack, but that made my but body's just built that way, you know? Like, I thought that you had to be like, you know, model thin, too. So I also had that kind of, you know, body image 
Mm. was skewed in my mind as well and so i use that as an excuse this whole kind of vegan thing whatever whatever i use that as an excuse to like not eat at all so i would have nights where i wouldn't eat i would go to the the student kind of market the the campus market and they had like all the morning star stuff and i would just binge boxes of this thing and this was like mm. probably one of the most expensive things at the school at the uh, at the campus market you know, not reading the labels or anything in my mind, I was just like immediately like, no, I'm not murdering animals and I am doing the right thing here. Yeah. Who is paying for all this Morningstar expensive food at the time? Well, my mom, I would say my mom, you had like a card where you had like, I think it came with, I had like some kind of meal plan and you had a certain amount of dollars that you could use at the campus. So anyway, I would, you know, use the, the money on my account to buy boxes and boxes and boxes of this crap. So what were, the, what were the first things that you noticed just in terms of how you felt, whether it be energy levels, mood, you know, just your ability to do sports? I mean, you were a pretty athletic and active, mm-hmm. active mm-hmm. college student. What was the first thing that you really noticed, whether it was good or bad? Mood for sure, hmm. but I never thought that it was because of the diet. But I was just always a depressed kid. I was it was a very confusing time for some reason, and I I think the ego wanted to create some sort of drama that my life was so bad because I was confused of you know I hated engineering school. I didn't really belong there. I didn't fit there. Mm-hmm. You know I was smart, but it, I I just thought everything was kind of you know, a waste of my time. And that was also a long, a long, you know, before that I read books like Ishmael uh, by Daniel Quinn. And, you know, that book kind of set me off to a trajectory of, you know, humans are just so horrible. Culture, mother culture, and our society was all man-made. And we wrecked this hunter and gathering kind of society. And now we have pollution and war and things of that nature. And so, Coming in, you know, at 15, I was being like, you know, I'm reading these books that human messed up. And so there was this deep guilt also as far as being human. So I was just depressed really uh, throughout my first year of college. I just didn't think it was really diet related. I didn't really, I didn't really look into how that worked. So specifically about your moods, I mean, you were already depressed depressed at this point is what it's sounding like and then you were even more depressed after you switched to i think so yeah i had i had more depressive moments and i'm sure a lot of people couldn't relate to that Uh, i was challenging everything i was kind of taught up to that point but not having a community to even be able to talk about this kind of stuff i truly thought that i was doing it for the animals i was part of a cause and I'm going to go save the world. And that was this whole delusion that, like, I can make a difference. I can make a change in the sense if I, if I stop just eating the meat, I'm making a difference. You know, it pollutes the environment. It's um, not ethical thing to do, to, to eat meat. And then all of a sudden, like, also, um, I started becoming more fatigued, more pale. Hmm. And my family would notice how pale I was. I mean, what did your, I'm a dark kid, right? Like, What did your mom say to you? Well, just that, like, you know, I'm getting pale. <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? They would just notice that I was pale. And I didn't know that 
you know, I was pretty low on iron. Yeah, it's interesting because, you, know? you know, you mentioned how you kind of went, you're at the university, you go, you see this PETA sign, so you, you stop eating meat because of the ethical treatment of animals or the unethical treatment of animals. And it, it seems like in my experience, especially, you know, I was a health coach for over seven years, eight years, and most of the, the people I know that were vegetarian, it's all really for moral or ethical reasons or the environmental reasons. Mm -hmm. They never really had a health reason why they wanted to become vegetarian. And they're like, oh, well, it's healthier. But they I'm like, well, wh you know, why? why? Why is it healthier? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're eating fake meat. Oftentimes, they're still eating fake meat. So you're eating processed food. I mean, yeah. any fake meat is highly processed. So you're saying that meat is bad, but then somehow processed food is good. I was just, I always thought that was kind of a contradiction. Yeah, definitely. And you just didn't, I personally didn't pay attention to the actual health repercussions at the time. At the time, it was just so embedded, and I couldn't, to the day, I can't get that out of my head. Looking at the flyer, and it was a bloody head of a cow. Um, that propaganda was so powerful. Like, all right, way to go, PETA, you got me. Um, it really got me. And your impressionable teenager, you know, your heart's wide open. You're trying to figure out what the what the path is, what the right thing to do is. And um, that one got me that I really believe that eating meat was really horrible for society and humanity and the planet. And I sided with the planet. Like, I wanted to be on... The green side, the, you know, how we were as hunter-gatherer, you know. Um, so you, little did I know, the two, that the hunter and gatherer, they all ate meat. Right. <laughs> but, by the way, they didn't so, eat cereal. So you were a vegetarian for 18 years. So did you go and just cut every meat product out, dairy product out, any animal-based product out? Or did you kind of slowly um, go from being just a regular mixed food eater to being a pure vegan like what was the transformation it was straight vegan that very night so no animal products at all you cut out butter, butter you cut out all milk, dairy you, dairy tell us the moment when you basically were like i have to stop i need to stop being a vegetarian i need to go back to introducing meat into my diet well, yeah. So basically, this is this is a, a crazy story. It still kind of gives me chills when I think about this. But I just didn't really know the health stuff that that perhaps the lack of protein uh, in my body was harming myself kind of long term. I would just, you know, be tired. I had foggy brain. Um, you know, I I just I had mood moods and mood swings. I I was very depressed. At some point, and I actually don't know at what point, but at some point, then I began to add fish into mm -hmm. my diet, mm -hmm. and I started referring to myself as a kind of flexitarian, or sorry, a, a pescatarian. Flexitarian, and, I like that word though. Um, Flex because you're flexible. That's yeah, you're really flex just a way to. Yeah, it's just more justifications of stuff, and, and you know how I justified fish. How'd you justify it? Let me know. Well, um, I justified it in my head that it was okay to eat fish, even though I had this guilt because I'm hurting an animal. Um, I justified it that like, okay, they're cold blooded and they don't feel stuff, they don't feel pain. 
Really? Do you think it's, when I you totally believe <laughs> when you when you cut down plants, the the plants when you're eating a plant, like let's say you're eating a blueberry, is that blueberry feeling pain or? So I didn't I didn't justify it that way. Or I it justified all, uh, it as okay, fish is cold blooded. I can eat fish, and you know, Jesus ate fish. Now I'm again perfectly healthy, solid, strong AF. I mean, how old are you? I was so point? strong. Um, I was probably like, I don't know, like 30, late 20s, 30. Late 20s. So you're yeah, pretty much in the prime of your life physically. Super physical, like super yeah. prime physically. I surfed. I would, you know, skated. I would be at the gym. I did body work. You know, I had my own practice um, doing body work. And I I was on beast mode, like yeah, you're, seven days a week, 24-7. You're beast full mode. beast mode at this point. At this point. Completely, perfectly healthy. I got back from a trip to Hawaii, um, you know, because I was doing body work on pro surfers every season over there. I came back completely healthy. And then I just came across this thing, just remembering this keto thing. Oh, yeah, dude, you can completely get caught doing keto by, you know, you just cut out all the carbs i'm i'm toned i'm i'm very muscular uh hyper athletic but to me in my mind like that wasn't enough like Mm -hmm. i needed to have a six-pack to be completely good i started looking into keto and obviously the first thing you go to is youtube once i get into something i get like hyper focused into it and i go like 100 percent all in go ham so I basically started an Excel spreadsheet and I would write down all my macros, proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. And, you know, okay, cool. I needed about five grams of carbohydrates. So I need, and I would get the carbohydrates from vegetables like spinach, kale, and I would just go ham on that. I ate a lot of avocados, a lot of flax seeds. And then proteins, I would try to get in like kind of legumes. I did this for about two months or a month and a half, two months. And I got so focused into this thing. And then I started realizing that I was gaining weight. I was like bloating up, plumping up. And it was water weight at first. And then the big kicker of this was my hair started falling out. So how long were I was you- in, I was in the shower and my hair, I would just like, you know, because I, I comb my hair in the shower. And I was combing in the shower and clumps of my hair was falling out. And it freaked me the F out. And later on, it was really this realization that like my body is in complete starvation mode. Mm-hmm. It didn't have enough carbs and it didn't have, most importantly, it didn't have enough protein mm-hmm. because I was doing keto without eating meat. Um, and, you know, protein is so essential for everything, for your function. And so the first thing that's going to go is your hair and nails because you can survive without hair and nails. And the protein, it's got to go to the organs that actually need it for you to keep breathing. And so that was the last straw. I saw that and I immediately, I was like, after the realization that it was really the being protein deficient, I, I went to a Korean restaurant and with my kid brother and I ordered like a bibimbap. And for the first time in eight, eight years, I ate, I ate so like you, a you, piece of beef. So in eight, 
the first meal you had after 18 years of being vegetarian was Korean barbecue. It was bibimbap. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> after 18 years of being a vegetarian, you break your 18-year meat fast with Korean barbecue with your little brother. Did you actually have any like ill effects? Did your body reject the meat after 18 years? Or was your body like, hell yeah, give me more of this protein? As soon as I ate the meat, the hair fall stopped. That day, it just immediately Not stopped. Not like that day, but it took like a, like, I noticed it immediately within that week. Right, wow. The hair fall, like, because it was just like falling off. And that's like this, one of the scariest things for a girl. And I had the best hair. Sorry. Yeah. Not, like get- bragging, but I had like really long, black, curly, super thick, beautiful hair. Yeah. Is, and again, and when that stuff starts falling, you're like, that's like my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> right. In my body. And that's coming off. And, uh, that just sets off an alarm. How no- and that it stopped. It like it stopped like very quickly. How noticeable was the hair the hair loss? I mean, was it like did people say things to you? Did people think that you were going through you know cancer treatments? No, or people what it- would never say anything to you anyway. But no, it wasn't like there was def- it was definitely no- noticeable noticeable to me first and foremost because I just know what I had. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it just started thinning. It just like when I had a patch to where it was just coming off. But what did like your family say? I mean, your mom would certainly say something to you. I mean, what did your no, mom or your brother say, brother say to you? No, I had plenty of hair, by the way. So to them, they probably didn't even notice, but I could notice. Yeah. And, and uh, they are, I live far away from my family. My family's pretty scattered. Um, I was the only one in LA and it's not like I saw my family constantly. It was just, it was me dealing with me. So go, let's go back to this, this first Korean barbecue meal. I mean, you're, I've heard a lot of vegetarians where they say the first time they go back to actually eating meat, not being a vegetarian anymore, they just throw up all of the meat that they ate. You're, you didn't go through that. You, your body no. digested it. and My body wanted it so bad. Yeah. And then after that meal, I just started eating meat. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't even about, it was about my health at that point. It wasn't, mm-hmm. and, and for a long time, it wasn't about the ethical treatment of animals at that point. For a long time, really, what I would tell people was like, yeah, why are you a vegetarian? Because I lived in L.A., and, and a lot of people are vegetarian, but I hung out with people that ate meat. And it was like, you know, I would go out to restaurants with friends, like after a surf, and carrying, I would be carrying my own kind of cooler. And it would have, you know, I would bring beets, like just raw beets. Um, uh, sometimes it's not even peeled. Raw beets and kale. And I would bring these to restaurants, not order at the restaurant. And I would just chew on kale. Like, it was really awkward, but I thought it was like, that was so highbrow. I just thought it was like the right thing to do, and I thought I was doing the right thing. And I was advertising this thing everywhere I went. I I would tell people it's not because of the animals anymore. It was for health reasons is why I was a vegetarian. But I didn't even know what that reason was and how that was like healthy for me except for what I read as, you know, meat was going to, you know, would raise your cholesterol. It would, um, you know, you're a high risk of diabetes or a stroke or cancers. And this stuff, I read this online and I ate this stuff up. 
so just to continue justifying. When I started eating meat again, I knew I needed it. I stopped keto altogether. I started, I put back carbs. You know, I put back, um, I put back meat. I put back carbs. And at that point, I was just, I really just said to myself, after a lot of meditation, it's just like, I cannot ever use my body as an experiment. Like an experiment, right. But that's what I've done for so long, is just experiment and all these diets and things of that nature, and I'm sure you have too, seeing what works for you. And this one clearly, after this keto one, it was like, uh, I... I'm going to figure out how I can just listen to what my body wants. And all these years, my body actually wanted to eat meat. So how long were you on the keto vegetarian diet for? That one really just lasted two months. So you were... So not even. So because not even, the hair started falling out. Right. And how much protein were you doing a day? I believe like anywhere between 5, 10, 15... Or 20. And how much did you weigh? In, from beans. And how much did you weigh at that time? I was very muscular, so I was over 140, but solid muscle. Right. So you should have been on like at least 50 grams a day of protein at the bare minimum. Yeah. Some days it was probably five to ten. I mean, the the recommend- thinking I was you know. I, I was getting enough on. You know, with the bean or the legumes or lentils or whatever. Right. But I mean, the, the, the RDA, a recommended daily allowance for protein for every 100 pounds is about 36 grams of protein. And that's at the very absolute minimum for people that don't do any exercise that are sedentary. Mm-hmm. So you are way below that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you were watching a YouTube video, getting your research from YouTube. You really had zero guidance. Do you think it'd be different if you were on a vegetarian diet, but you were actually consuming an adequate amount of of proteins? Yeah, I don't even think I, you know, researched. I hadn't eaten meat in so long. Like, I just didn't even think about proteins for meat was essential at that time. I literally was like, okay, I'm, my focus at the time when I was doing keto was just like, Got to get below five grams of carbs. Got to get below five grams of carbs. Got to get below five grams of carbs. And that's the only thing that mattered. Hmm. I didn't really care how much fat, whatever. I did count calories. And I was plenty calories, but my body still went on a complete starvation mode. What it was, went into yeah. panic. What it was went your, into complete panic. What was your ultimate goal? Why did you decide to be on the, the keto diet to begin with? Yeah, I wanted the six pack. Because, I mean, you were I've already... You were already super lean and fit, but you wanted a six-pack. I wanted a six-pack, yeah. And you thought the keto diet would get you shredded Uh because you saw it on a YouTube video. Yep. Right. Yep. That's a warning to all of you guys. (laughs) Do not go to YouTube for your... Uh, for your health information there really is something about listening to what your body wants and that's a bigger practice that's it takes you know a lot of silence stillness and meditation to really develop a, a, a way to communicate with your body and I'm like still working on that physically like I'm still working on that myself and you said it took you a, your body basically seven years to kind of get back to being unwrecked 
from the two month of a keto vegetarian mm-hmm. diet. What, two years, two plus years to kind of start even feeling normal. Wow. To get that unwrecked because it was such a fast blow. I personally trained for close to a decade and different clubs have different incentive structures, but a lot of the facilities, the personal trainers make more money selling products, selling supplements than they do actually in in the personal training department. Uh, I worked at a club where it was all about selling heart rate monitors and giving people to, to do metabolic testing and selling protein supplements. You're making more money on that than you were on the actual training, which leads you to it incentivizes you as a trainer to not even train people just to walk around and, and sell supplements, even if they need these supplements or not. And the word supplement should tell you everything. It is a supplement. It is not mm-hmm. a priority. Mm-hmm. And the the entire structure, I mean, just like the whole fat rate zone or the fat burning zone, you know, like if you want to burn fat and not protein that you should be getting into the a specific heart rate zone, which will allow your body to metabolize more fat, which is actually pretty much doing nothing. You actually burn more fat when you're sleeping than doing any other activity during the day. Yeah, I didn't even know that. But it's all just to sell heart rate monitors versus actually giving people advice that will allow them to live a healthier life. Yeah. And that was kind of the reason I got out of the out of personal training and just out of the health industry as a whole because the the things that align with my values were completely different than what allowed these companies to make money. You know, one of the when you look at any article about be becoming a vegetarian, almost all the the reasons that they cite are have nothing to do with health, right? It's environmental, ecological animal cruelty rights, Mm -hmm. sustainability, renewability. They just use a lot of these buzzwords. You have the the World Economic Forum telling people that they will own nothing and be happy and that in the future we're going to be eating a lot of bugs and that the only way to feed all the billions of people on the planet is if we all eat a plant-based diet. And I think that there's a lot of misinformation out there. And like I said, you know, you were a young, impressionable student at a university kind of buying into the moral and ethical reasons for being a vegetarian versus the health reasons. And your health got absolutely destroyed when you became vegetarian, particularly on the keto vegetarian Mm -hmm. diet. I mean, what, what would you tell, you know, if a, 20-year-old girl asked you today or a 20-year-old college student asked you today, you know, should I be vegetarian? What would you say to them? I feel like I can't talk to anybody about what what they need. I feel like they, it's like kind of a balance of everything and you need to figure out what your body requires. Because I've had people tell me also, it's like, well, eating meat is bad for me. Eating meat, um, you know, makes me fat. Eating meat does this and eating meat makes me gassy or bloated or whatever. And I just don't know what works for every individual. I'm not an expert. I'm no guru. And even if, if I had studied this, you still don't know what everybody's body 
rec- like craves there's just kind of like your generic whatever you know but like you have to figure this out for yourself and i wouldn't know what to say to be honest except for like figure out how to listen to your body and that's not easy to do well, I mean, as a as a personal trainer for all those all those years, I thought one of the harder components of it was that everyone thinks that they're an expert. Everyone thinks because they read a book or saw some YouTube video that they know all about nutrition. And you know, whatever is the hot diet at the time, whether it's the you know the Atkins diet was hot for years. Mm-hmm. Everyone wanted to to be in the Atkins diet. Everyone wanted to be in the keto diet. Now it seems like the veganism has really exploded i think a lot of of the reason for that is kind of the quote-unquote environmental issues and you know watch our video with dr patrick moore former greenpeace co-founder which you know kind of debunks a lot of the things that you hear of the environmental movement we're gonna link that up here right we'll link that up here but a lot of it was more environmental reasons versus health versus health reasons a lot of it is really to sell some kind of product. I mean, vegan products are very expensive. Um, they're highly processed and they're expensive. Yeah, I mean, I was thought like, we can buy, we can buy, and it's also economical, right? Like we can buy, um, you know, truck roast and get the protein that we need for the day much cheaper. Sometimes we can buy, you know, uh, an ample sized truck roast. That would, you know, basically satisfy our protein needs for today for the two of us. And you can basically get, you know, some fake meat and you won't for uh, for more. Fake meat would cost more than the truck roast that would satisfy. And it's more bioavailable. It, it is, uh, you know, I think I think it's more natural than a box of fake boca burger or whatever yeah i always find it interesting that the 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 vegetarians that do cite being a vegetarian for health reasons and that meat is bad for you yet they're eating these fake meat burgers and eating fake chicken nuggets it's like so your body is clearly craving these these products else you wouldn't be eating them yet somehow you think that it's unhealthy to eat meat even though you are eating all of these meat products even though they're fake and then yet at the same time you say processed food is bad yet you're eating all this processed fake meat that has more chemicals and additives and preservatives Mm -hmm. than just eating uh, say a steak that has one ingredient aka Mm -hmm. beef Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's kind of twisted yeah, I mean it. It's kind of twisted, and having been there, I totally, you know, it's it's so relatable because once you have this kind of thing in your head that you're doing the right thing, you kind of stick with it, but it's not the right thing. And I mean, I know people that are quote i.e. vegan, um, but during a pregnancy, they were drinking bone broth. <laughs> right, and uh, their body was craving that. Yeah, through, and you know you need it. Yeah, yeah and you know all, all these, it has so many health benefits. Um, and you know it has so many health benefits, and so and you can't deny it. And your body needed it, but yet you're like, oh well, I'm vegan, and we need vegan options. 
I always kind of thought that being a vegetarian, a lot of these vegetarians just kind of use this as a way to identify themselves and as an image conscious thing or maybe virtue signaling. I remember watching a JP Sears video where he was a meat eater pretending to be a vegetarian, basically putting people down because they were in fact not eating meat. When you were a vegetarian, Kai, for 18 years, did you introduce yourself like, hey, I'm Kai Primo. I'm a vegetarian. I'm a vegetarian. Like, or were you, did you not mention that as one of the first things that identified you as you were introducing yourself to new people or in, in kind of a casual conversation that had nothing to do with actual meat eating or vegetarian or not, not meat eating, just anything to do with related to whatever. I see what you're getting at. I don't think I would just flat out introduce myself like, oh, I'm Kai and I'm a vegetarian. I think definitely I would say, uh, it's a it's a there's a false sense of self-importance there's some kind of false sense of identity with uh, being that because it's like well i'm different from everybody else it, it did it it was just i just got used to it the first image of the bloody head of cow on that pita thing was always in my head and so it it, it really left quite an imprint that meat was gross and but there is this kind of identity that, like, okay, I am that. And cheers, everybody, by the way. It's happy hour. Yeah, cheers to happy hour. Make sure you like and subscribe this video. Cheers to this cheers. Bloody Mary. <laughs> Drinking Bloody Mary in a Corona chaser. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when you're talking about... This is not the health show. It's interesting, you know, when we talk about the health components of, of a diet... And when people say that meat is unhealthy, I think what, what happens is people lump in a lot of different meats or quote-unquote, i.e. meats into the same category. Eating a hot dog or eating a bratwurst is certainly not the same thing as eating a steak. Not the same at all. Right. Eating, eating um, some of the canned meats, whether it be spam. And I know in the Philippines, you know, in Hawaii, spam is... Certainly more of a, a treat thing. or it's a delicacy. delicacy, it's a thing. And com- comparing a steak, comparing a ribeye, comparing a nice lamb chop to spam or to corned beef hash in a can or to a lot of these other processed meats, is it's just not the same thing. And to kind of lump all meat into this one category is very, I think, just... It does a disservice to people that really do need the protein, that do need to get those fats, and it, it doesn't allow them to have a lot of options because they're like, oh, meat's bad, meat's bad because we're comparing processed, really, we're comparing processed meats to meats. You're not going to compare, you know, a processed food like say Captain Crunch to an actual vegetable or fruit i mean they're all carbs we're comparing apples to oranges as they say oftentimes when we're comparing these these unhealthy meats to uh, a healthier alternative yeah there there is that for sure but i also think that a lot of it was this kind of like um if you eat too much meat and animal fats it's cholesterol it's heart attack. And that was embedded in me uh, when I was in high school. It's the whole um, be afraid of cholesterol 
and animal fats is some of the best fats for you. Yeah, one of my my good friends, his uh, grandma was uh, 92, and uh, he's having a conversation with her, and he's like, you know, what's one of the regrets that you have in your life? And she said that I wish I would have ate more apple pie. Mm. You know, and I think that we we have these ideas of like, oh, you know, cholesterol's bad for you and fat's bad for you and all these things. You know what's bad for you is stress, like stressing out about the food, stressing out about your dietary decisions. Like because there's so much money in the food industry and in the supplement industry and in the healthcare industry that all these all these components have been conflated. Like people are more stressed out and that stress is what causes them to be unhealthy versus the food that they're actually eating. You know, we, we've gone away. We're no longer smoking six packs of cigarettes a day in society. It's not like the 1970s where you jump on a fl- uh, jump on a plane and everyone is out there having a cigarette. And I mean, we were in my parents' 1971 New Yorker, you know, a super big car yeah. where there are six ashtrays in the six. <laughs> there are six ashtrays in this car from 1971, which. There was not only were there six ashtrays in this car, there was four smoke lighters. There was lighters. Four in cigarette each. lighters. Yeah, exactly. In the back, a and couple in the, in the back, front, and a couple in the, in the front. front. Right. Like, like, those days are done. Like, a lot of the things that are really bad for you, like smoking, obviously drinking in excess. Now, I mean, the point I was making was that I think a lot of people are more stressed out about the decisions that they make because they read all these things they want to do the right thing mm-hmm. but the stress of actually trying to do the right thing is more damaging to the body yeah. than the actual thing yeah. that they're going to put into their body i believe stress is the most damaging yeah i mean you're it, and that it, and that's the thing is like that i well, think it, part of it creates a hormonal response i mean not just cortisol but it really your whole body's pumping out adrenaline and all these other hormones right it's a fight or flight so like that stress just destroys your body like the stress of worrying about everything that you're doing to do the right thing and you know everyone wants to be like healthier i mean there what is an optimal level of health like that's the thing too is balance it's it's, it all comes down to balance right and like you can't you can't get healthier once you're healthy how do you get healthier like what is like okay i'm healthy i want to be healthier what does that even mean like having a six-pack which a lot of people want a six-pack is not healthy Mm -hmm. your body wants to have a little bit of fat i had a six-pack for about a seven-year period of my life mainly because of the job that i had I, i ended up biking about 60 miles a day at 9,000 feet elevation. I was sick all the time because I, I just did not have enough fat on my body. Like you need, your body wants to have fat to protect itself. When you get sick and you're not able to eat for a week, you need to have reserves. Like you don't, your body doesn't want to be lean. It doesn't want to be, well, I shouldn't say your body doesn't want to be lean it wants to be lean because it's more efficient, but it doesn't want to be hyper lean. When you're in single digit body fat, for the average person, unless you're in your teens, it's just not healthy. Your body does not want to be that lean. You need to have reserves. Yeah. See, I wish I had that information because I didn't know. Because growing up, it was like fat is evil. Fat is, you know, you're going to die of a heart attack. Fat is, everything was low fat. Everything was low-fat milk, low-fat cheese, low-fat this, and fat was the enemy of life. And, you know, that was all 
a cro- a crock. And believe you, the amount of stress when I was really into this kind of body image thing at the time or trying to achieve a body goal that was like impossible and not something my body ever wanted anyway, um, it was very stressful. And I think that stress is, um, stress is what hangs on to extra fat that you don't need. Um, stress breaks down, you know, uh, functionality of your organs. Like it's invisible, but it's, it's real. You can feel your body breaking down. You can feel, you know, stress will make you lose your hair. Like there's all sorts of, you know, um, but stressing about food became a thing. And uh, for me anyway. And when I finally realized that like I was stressing out about uh, food and the big, biggest realization is that I judged what I ate. And so if I was having a snack I would judge it as if, oh, it's so bad for me. I'm like, and I would judge myself for eating it. And that judgment is not like the, like, I truly believe that all things are conscious. And the moment you kind of judge something and then you put it in, like that has an energetic effect. And so I, you know, I try not to judge like things that I eat. Like if I'm having a brownie, I'm going to joyfully go and enjoy a brownie instead of putting judgment in it, stressing yourself out. And then that thing energetically has, it, it, it carries a charge that is not, that the body doesn't really want to be there. You know, it, it has to, you know, but that's, you know, that one of the things is definitely to stop judging what you put in your body. I did body work, right? So I had a clientele and one of my clients, I remember told me this story of a woman who never ate sugar her whole life. She probably ate some as a kid or whatever, then stopped, um, ate all organic, um, never ate out, ate clean, quote i.e., because she was so afraid of getting cancer and sugars feed off of cancer. And she was so afraid of being sick. And then later on, she found out that there were tumors all over her body. When someone asked her, you know, uh, if she had regrets, she answered, if I only knew, I wish I would have enjoyed a brownie or a cake. And your story kind of reminded me of that. So how, how old was she? I don't remember, actually, how old she was. She was a lot older, but... At an old, uh, at an older age, laden with tumors in her body, she's like, "I wish I got to enjoy more cake or, you know, brownies or something." Yeah, it's just she judged everything in her environment to be bad, and that's just because she basically had said, "Okay, everything is bad unless it's X, Y, Z." The body kind of, I feel, responded to that, and I'm not an expert, but it just goes to say, like, it's, we're not meant to stress over, you know, things that we put in our body. Like, if anything, go bless it, enjoy it, be grateful for it, and then go eat it and enjoy I mean, now this is, you had this almost two-decade journey, 20-year decade journey. Where you were I'm trying to figure out going, yeah, figuring yeah. out your diet. I mean, what would you say to a, 
a 20 year old Kai, what would you say to yourself at 20? If you could go back in time and be like, Hey, these are the things you should do. I would tell my 20 year old self to stop judging yourself and your body, which is your best friend. Like your bestest friend in the world is your body. Um, it is your vessel to enjoy all that all that is to be enjoyed in form on the on this planet as form i would i would have told her to stop judging the body and start working with it as your best friend and asking it what it wants were, during this for optimal health during this time were you buying organic food like just strictly organic mm-hmm. i mean I think a lot of I bought into that. I bought into into the organic movement. Yeah, they buy into this organic movement, even though people don't really even understand what the word organic or cage free, farm fresh. And we learned that recently too that it was a kind of a hoax. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I used to buy all organic food. I mean, I was spending over a thousand dollars a month back in 2015 just on myself on organic food and I started kind of diving deep into it and you realize that the definitions are pretty ambiguous or you realize the definitions are are pretty ambiguous and they don't really mean a whole lot like to be cage free farm fresh all you have to do is have a door on a chicken coop open open doesn't mean that the door even leads anywhere they're still in the coop. All you have to do is have it open and you get the seal of approval. And then you get the seal of approval. Cage free. Right, cage free. And, then, and you're paying an extra, it's marked up what, like right, but, 30%, 40%? But, or it's cage free, but what, you know, what are they actually feeding them? I mean, they're all still living on top of each other in their own feces and things like exactly. that. So is that chicken actually any healthier? I think people want to do the right thing and and people really just want to eat healthier and be healthier but the marketing is just it's so powerful i mean i think we saw that with a lot of the different things that have happened in the last few years the really the part the power of propaganda absolutely i think that you know it's guilt and fear um is you know every marketer's greatest tool because it evokes the emotion um of guilt and fear and that makes you take some kind of action um and don't buy into that crap you know do not buy into anyone guilting you or making you afraid of something like the pita like i said that will be engraved in my head forever you know, meat is murder. I mean, the first emotion I can clearly remember it was guilt. Yeah. Because I had a burger earlier that day, probably. Who knows? Right. You know? Or uh, Sloppy Joe. Not right. Sloppy Joe. It's a classic meal for <laughs> college students. I remember Sloppy Joe's. But I, I bought into it, and I'm glad that I'm I'm... You know, but the, the, it all comes down to the basis also of, of, you know, the self-hating kind of, you know, 
you know, hating my own self. Like my my body just was never enough. Do you think a lot of these issues are kind of like first world problems? I mean, when you were in the Philippines, you were just happy to eat anything. When you were growing mm-hmm. up, you were... We were just lucky to have food. Right, you were lucky to have food. And I think a lot of this stuff, like, you know, I feel like a lot of, you know, Americans or Canadians, a lot of the quote-unquote Western cultures, they they end up having all these issues because they have abundance and they have all this time to focus on these other issues that maybe other, you know, maybe really aren't that, that pressing. Like when you're in the Philippines, you're just happy to have a meal. If that meal happens to have pork or beef or chicken, you're super stoked. Except liver. Right. But would, you know, when you're in the Philippines, I could never get liver down. I don't know. You know, if you, if you just happen to have some rice and, you know, plantains versus rice and yeah, chicken. Yeah, sometimes I mean, it's actually just rice and soy sauce. Right. And, and, so, and someone will say, okay, that's not very healthy for you either. But yeah, we were just happy to right. have so something to eat. If you were having rice, chicken, and beans, I mean, you were super stoked. That was like a com- complete meal. And then you mm-hmm. get to the U.S. and all of a sudden you're rejecting meat. It seems like at this point you almost did like a 180 where you're buying into like the culture of like I mean, you're, if you were to look back at your Filipino self, I mean, your Filipino self would have punched you in the face for rejecting that food. For wasting. For wasting reject, that sustenance. Rejecting, yeah. I wouldn't have punched anyone in the face, per se, but I probably would Yeah, you wouldn't like, have punched anyone in the I'll face. I'll eat it. You didn't <laughs> if wanna, you don't want it, yeah, I'll but, eat it. Like, uh, <laughs> you wouldn't have punched anyone because you had no energy because you were <laughs> your hair was falling out because you didn't have any protein. I mean, of course you would have punched yourself in the face. You'd have been lucky to even get the strength to even flex the arm. Yeah, I guess I would have. It was bad. Um, but I, I honestly, I think also as a kid, you, you didn't have... You know, we didn't watch a lot of TV. We didn't have things telling us that, you know, things were bad or good. It was really my grandma's intuition and whatever, you know, my grandma grew up with. And, you know, she used herbs instead of over-the-counter things. And, you know, you just kind of made do with what you have. Um, We, it, it, it was just a different way of life because we also didn't have things telling us this is bad that is good here's a new fad we didn't have iphones and things of that nature like the internet wasn't a thing at the time and to be honest like it's interesting thinking about it now i'm pretty grateful i got to experience what that was like to grow up without all this you know advertising and marketing in your face all the time yeah absolutely well I mean, I think a, lot, yeah. a big lesson is just, I think it's more do it for yourself versus picking a diet because a it friend would, talked you mm-hmm. into it or because you want to jump on some some fad, mm-hmm. whether it's vegan. That you saw or, on Instagram. Right, whether it's vegan or keto, mm-hmm. paleo, whatever it is. I mean, like all these fads generally are just created by marketers to sell you something. I mean, or they have an agenda. Exactly. Like, if food is that big of a part of your life where it's creating you stress and creating, whether it be addictions or it's creating you to think differently about yourself, I think that's definitely a reason for cause for pause. So thanks everyone for listening. I am Jesse Wright, El Capitan of El Podcast. It's Kai Primo, who is my fiance. Once we hit 100. 
100,000 subscribers on YouTube. That's the goal. That's the goal. Instead of being engaged, we will actually get, get married. married. <laughs> so please like, subscribe, follow us. It's really, by the way, it's an excuse not to plan the wedding. Yeah. We <laughs> but are, it's a good excuse yeah. Yeah, to get 100,000 reach our goal. So. Right. We definitely thank everyone for watching. Please like and subscribe. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody, we will see you on the next episode.